Good morning, Parkway Church. How you guys doing? Good. So glad you're here with us, whether you're gathered at Parkway Port Lavaca, Parkway Lone Tree, Parkway Online, or Parkway Victoria. I am so glad you're here. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here. And it's my privilege week in and week out to open God's word with you and to discover truths from God's word that we can live out in our everyday lives. In fact, this year we're on a special journey through Scripture. We're opening our Bibles and we're walking through it. We're looking to see the major players in Scripture, to get to know the storyline of the Bible, to see the theological threads that run throughout the Word of God. And we're now in the book of Psalms. And we're looking at the book of Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and then Song of Solomon in this series, Asking for a Friend. And if you missed last week's message, I encourage you to download our app and catch up because it was a strong message on the like understanding who God is. The most important thing you think is what you think when you think about God and who he is. And so I encourage you to download the app and catch up. Today we're gonna answer the question, where is God? And one of the things that the Psalms are really good for as you read through scripture is dealing with some really deep emotional stuff. Dealing with some deep theological like questions. Like, and today we're gonna look at a Psalm or two that say, okay, where is God? Earlier this week, north of Houston, near Lake Conroe, there was a, a sighting that some would say reminded them that God is always with us. Did you guys see this angel cloud by Lake Conroe? Did you guys see it? If you saw it on social media, that counts as seeing it for real, just so you know. If you saw it on Facebook, you saw it for real, right? So you went on vacation a lot this summer and you had a great time. But this, this angel cloud, they say, like the, the guy that posted it said it reminded him that God is with us every day. And the look you have now on your face as you see in a visual reminder of God's presence is the very look that many people got on social media this week. And that, that pretty cloud that looks like an angel reminds us of God's presence. But what about those days when the skies are dark? What about those days when the clouds are heavy with rain and thunder and lightning and hail? What if the skies aren't bringing an angelic reminder, but instead the skies are bringing like ominous signs? Like what do we do on those days? Is God not with us on those days? Is God angry with us on those days? Where is God? When the reminders in the sky don't show him. Well, friends, I hope today to answer that question for you. And I hope to answer it in such a way that you'll be able to answer the question not simply by looking at the circumstances in life, but by looking at the word of God. That you will have an unshakable, unchangeable view of where God is in your life. No matter whether the skies are sunny, whether the skies are full of clouds or there's not a cloud in the sky. Whether the clouds are dropping rain or dropping snow. Whatever the circumstance of your life is. You can know where God is every day, every moment, and every second. And I want to deliver on that promise by encouraging you to open your Bible to the book of Psalms. If you brought your Bible, we're going to open up to Psalm 139, verse 7 through 10. That's where we're going to start. If you didn't bring your Bible, no worries. We've given you an outline that you can follow along on your way in. I also encourage you to follow along in the app. But we're going to start and get a foundational truth of where God is. We're going to start here. First thing, when we ask the question, where is God? We must know this. God is always present. You can fill in that blank. He is always present. I love it. 
Listen to how Psalm 139, 7 puts it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? God is always present. Where can I go where you aren't? Where can I run and escape your presence? And the answer to these rhetorical questions is nowhere. I can't outrun your presence. I can't leave you because you are always present in my life. God is always with you. And I tell you that because there are moments when it feels as though God isn't. And you need to know that God is always present. He is always with you. And the second truth that we learn from Psalm 139, looking at verse eight. Not only is God present all the time, but God is here, God is there, and God is everywhere at the exact same time. He's omnipresent. He is here, he is there, he is everywhere. Listen to how the psalmist describes it. If I go to the heavens, you are there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. So there's a mirror image, and this happens throughout Psalm 139. If I'm in heaven, or if I even make my bed in hell, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. From the highest in the heavens to the lowest of the earth, you are there. God is here, God is there, and God is everywhere. And, and that's one of the reasons that like, we send out shoeboxes and we send out missionaries around the globe. It's one of the reasons because if God is here, there, and everywhere, and God isn't limited by time and God isn't limited by space, then we've gotta be sending people out to tell everyone, the whole world about Jesus. It's one of the reasons that, that we meet across multiple campuses here at Parkway Church. Because God isn't limited to one place at one time. God is here, God is there, and God is everywhere all the time. Which means when you go to work, where is God? He's at work with you. It means when you go out on that first date, where is God? God is on that first date with you. Now, he's not the one you're on the first date with, but he is on the date with you. God is here, God is there, and God is everywhere. You cannot escape him because he is always present. Why is God with you? Uh, friends, you need to know this. God isn't just a spectator on your life. He's not Facebook stalking you. God is with you here, there, and everywhere because God is here, and you can fill in these blanks. God is here to lead and guide. The reason that God wants you to know that I am with you wherever you go, always, is because there's always an option to be led and to be guided by, to depend upon and to obey God. There's no part of your life where God is absent. There's no part of your life where God is disconnected from you. God is a part of, actively involved in, with you in every part of your life. And he's there, not just to be a spectator, not just to help you get, like, get the perfect selfie shot, but instead, God is there to lead and to guide. Psalm 139, 9 through 10. If I rise on the wings of eagles, again, one of these mirror images, or if I settle in the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. We begin to see that the leadership of God is tied to the presence of God in our life. And if I fly on the wings of an eagle or if I go to the, to the far, like, farthest point in the earth. God, you are with me and your right hand will hold me fast and your right hand will guide me. 
You want to know why the right hand of God will always lead and always guide and always hold you fast wherever you are? It's because he is with you. It's because he's always present. He is here, there, and everywhere that you go. And he's there to lead and to guide. He's there for you to recognize and follow and obey him in his hand and how he is directing your life. He is there by the power of of God Almighty in his hand to strengthen you and to make you like endure and, and enjoy life no matter the moment that you're going through. Friends, I described to you the presence of God in this way, that God is always present. God is here, there, and everywhere. And God is is present to lead and to guide us, hoping that we would hunger for the presence of God, that we would long for the presence of God, that we would recognize the presence of God in every area of our life. Like a 12-year-old longs for Wi-Fi, May we long for the presence of God. You ever see a 12-year-old fiending for Wi-Fi? You go on a trip to Nana's house before you even put the suitcase down. Hey, Nana, what's the Wi-Fi password? Nana's like, we don't even have Wii feet, right? Kid's like, what am I gonna do? May we long for the presence of God. Like a 12-year-old longs for Wi-Fi. May he always be present with us in our awareness because he is. May we never see ourselves distant from, apart from, disconnected from our relationship with God because he is here, there, and everywhere, no matter where we go. And may we never minimize him to simply an observer in our life because he is there to lead and to guide us. May we hunger for this recognition of his presence because when we get that right, everything we do can bring glory and honor to God. When we get that right, every day, every moment, every season of life is an opportunity for you and me to worship God through our work and to worship God as we do our family life, to worship God through our hobbies. Every op- everything we do is an opportunity to bring glory and honor and worship God. But what about those days when the skies are cloudy? What about those days when you wonder, where is God? We've all been there. Somebody just started their Bible app and it's reading this passage to them. I love that. I think it's great. Like hashtag, the Bible's finally at Parkway. That is so cool. That's so cool. Anyway, I don't know who that was, Scott, but I appreciate you. So where was I? Doing the math. Okay, here's where I was. What about those days when you wonder, where is God? When the skies are cloudy and the, the outlook is not good, what about those days? Where do you turn when you wonder, God, where are you? I know that you're always present. I know that you're here, there, and everywhere. I know that you will lead in God, but God, right now, it feels a little different. God, where are you? Well, as we look in the Bible, we're going to answer that question very specifically because David asked that question in Psalm 10. You can flip over to Psalm 10 and listen to this. Listen to Dave's, Dave, Dave's that's what I call him now. Listen, listen to Dave's take. 
You know, we've, we've learned that he was the second king of Israel. We've learned that he was a shepherd boy. We've learned that, you know, so much about him that now we just call him Dave. <laughs> and a savior will come from the house of Dave. It just doesn't sound right. So let's go ahead and fix it. His name is King David. All right. This is going to be interesting. Psalm 10, verse 1. Why, Lord, do you stand off? Other translations might say, why, Lord, are you aloof? Why, Lord, are you distant? Why do you hide yourselves in times of trouble? This is a sincere struggle with a sincere question. And David is going to deal with it very specifically here in a moment. Have you ever been where David is right there? Where you're wondering, God, where are you? I mean, you're not just asking for a friend, you're asking for yourself. This morning on Facebook, I asked, is it okay for a preacher to speak for an hour today? Asking for a friend. Everybody said it was okay, so this is gonna be a really long, good talk. But have you ever asked that self that question, God, where are you for real? I see high school graduates that are going to college here in the next couple of weeks. I remember one of the times that I asked God, where are you? That was foundational and life-changing for me. It was my first night on campus at Sam Houston State University. Eat them up, cats, right? That's the only thing we got at Sam Houston is that, so I did it. But I got dropped off at school, and uh, my roommate was a football player, so he wasn't there quite yet. And, and, and so I got dropped off at school, and the first night, my one goal was to go meet girls. Pretty good goal, right? So I started walking around campus looking to meet girls. And I only met two other people, guys with long hair. And so I went back to my dorm and, and I was in my bed and I said, God, uh, where are you? I need your help. I want to build my life. I was a new believer at the time. I want to build my life after you and not after me. So tell me there's more than me walking around and just meeting some dudes at school. And God, I'll follow you. The next day, I uh, was walking to class, and I looked into a ministry for college students, and there it was, a beautiful blonde girl sitting at the desk. And so I walked in, said, what can you tell me about the ministry? And that's how God made me a Baptist. <laughs> but it was that moment of praying, God, where are you, that God showed himself. And I'll tell you, that honest prayer of saying, God, where are you, and God, I wanna build it based on you, not on me, was exactly what Mikey Hurt needed at 17 years old, starting college. Have you ever needed to pray that prayer? God, where are you? You ever need direction and God's not delivering? Pray that prayer. God, where are you? You know where he is. You ever experience loss and pain and need his comfort? When your plans don't come together? When we see others prosper? And we wonder, God, why am I not receiving all that I had hoped and dreamed? In fact, that's why David penned Psalm 10. There was a wicked man that was prospering, and David, a righteous man, was struggling with the fact that this wicked man was getting it all, was, was an enemy of God, and yet seemed to be blessed. I mean, listen to how David dealt with his emotions and feelings and thoughts. Listen to how he described this wicked man. Psalm 10, 11 
Psalm 10, 2 through 11. In his arrogance, the wicked man hunts down the weak who are caught in the schemes he devises. He boasts about the cravings of his heart. He blesses the greedy and reviles the Lord. In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all of his thoughts, there is no room for God. His ways are always prosperous, though your laws are rejected by him. He sneers at all of his enemies. He says to himself, nothing will ever shake me. He swears, no one will ever do me harm. His mouth is full of lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. He lies in wait near the villages. From, from ambush, he murders the innocent. His eyes watch in secret in his victim, in his, for his victims as a lion in cover. He lies in wait. He lies in wait to catch the helpless. He catches the helpless and drags them off in his net. His victims are crushed. They collapse. They fall under his great strength. And he says to himself, God will never notice. He covers his face and never, ever sees. So here we have a wicked man. He boasts, he's full of pride. He rejects God's laws. He lies, he threatens. He says no one will ever do him harm. He pounces on people to hurt and destroy them. And then in the end, he says, God will never notice. He covers his face and he never sees. This is the man that's prosperous, according to Psalm 10, 5, prosperous, Always. And so David is looking at this situation, looking at this circumstance, and has a little test of faith. God, where are you that this man is prosperous? God, where are you that the wicked seem to be winning in this moment? It's a genuine test of faith. And David leans on what he knows about God to answer this test. Listen to what he writes, Psalm 10, 12 through 13. Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. Remember, we learned from Psalm 139 that it's God's hand that will guide us and will hold us fast. So David goes based on what he knows about God and he says, may your hand be lifted, God. May you show your activity. Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? David's saying, God, it's time for you to do what only you can do. And if you've ever been in that moment where you were wondering where God is, this is a great prayer to pray. And David he kept calling out to God because he knew who God was. Sure, in this moment, it seemed like the hand of God wasn't active, but David knew who God was. So he continued to cry out to him and he cried out, do what only you can do, God. That is a great prayer of faith. When you say, God, in, in my life right now, I've tried it my way, I've tried it their way. But God, now I wanna do it your way. And so, God, I am praying that you will do what only you can do. I'm praying that you will work in a way that only you can work. See, David knew that God had the potential to work in a way that only God could work. Remember last week we said there are six qualities of God that we discovered that God is holy, God is good, God is active, God is loving, God is eternal, and God is ruling. And David knew that God in all of those things could lift his hand and could work and could do only what he could do. In his holiness, God could do what only God could do. In his goodness and his activity and his love, God can do what only God can do. 
In his etern- eternality, in his sovereignty, he's ruling forever and ever. God can do what only God can do. Friend, if you're ever at a spot where you wonder, God, where are you? Trust him completely like David did and say, God, now it's time for you to do what only you can do. I trust you. I know you. I know you're with me. And so I'm praying, God, you do what only you can do. Listen to David's confidence, Psalm 10, 14 and 15. But you, God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You see what the wicked man said? The wicked man said that God hides his eyes. He covers his face and he never sees. But David said, that's not my God. But you, God, my God, see the trouble of the afflicted. You consider their grief and you take it in hand. The the victims commit themselves to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. One of the things that happens for our benefit in the midst of difficult seasons is that when we learn to commit to God, even when he seems distant or aloof, when we learn to commit ourselves fully to God simply by faith and not just by sight, that is a huge step. It's a huge step. And David goes on to pray, break the arm of the wicked man, call the evildoer to account for his wickedness that that would otherwise not be found out. David is saying, God, do what only you can do. You know his heart. You know the secrets. You know his motivation. God, you know what no one else knows. So take action. Stop him from hurting other people. Break his arm. Stop him from hurting others. Be the God of justice now. Stop him. David knew, and you and I can know, that even when God seems distant, he can be counted on. Even when God seems aloof, he is close. Listen to how David put it, Psalms 10, 16 through 18. The Lord is king forever and ever. He's eternal. The nations perish from his land. He is ruling. He's sovereign. You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry defending the fatherless and the oppressed so that mere earthly mortals will never again strike terror. David said, because of who you are, God, you give us a peace and you give us a firm foundation in the midst of even the most difficult times so that mere mortals that pursue us, so that, so, so that those who seek to harm us, so that the things of earth, Don't have to bring fear and worry into our lives anymore because of who you are, God. Listen to who David said God is here. And I want you to know that this isn't just the king, like King Dave's God. This is our God. This is not just Mike's God. This is your God. And you need to know this. Your God hears. When you're praying and wondering whether or not God is hearing those prayers, are they just bouncing off the ceiling? Your God hears. He hears not every other word, but he hears every word. In fact, our God hears what we pray, even when we don't know what or how to pray. Our God hears. Second, our God encourages. When we realize that God is with us always to lead and to guide, when we realize that God is here, there, and everywhere, we see his presence, and he encourages us. Earlier this year, we were having some health difficulties in our family. And after a long sleepless night at Texas Children's Hospital, I'm standing in front of an ice machine about to get my first Diet Coke of the day. Glory to God. Oh. 
And as I was preparing for that, the song that we sang that Sunday came to my ears. It was a song about his presence and his goodness. A song about him always being with us. And that's exactly what I needed in that moment. More than Diet Coke, I needed a reminder that God is with me in this hospital and that God is with our family as we are working through this significant challenge. He encourages us. And third, what does God do? Your God listens. You want proof that your husband is not God? Well, God both hears and listens. So your husband is not God. The other day, Christy and I were talking and and she looked at me and she said, are you even listening to me? And I thought, that sure is a strange way to begin a conversation. <laughs> That's not God, friends. Our God hears and our God listens. Did you catch how God was affected by the cries of his people? He said that you consider their grief and take it in hand. Our God doesn't just hear our prayers and they're one in one God ear and out another. Our prayers, he hears them and he listens. He considers them. He takes it in hand. And then lastly, our God defends. Twice in this passage, we see God defending us as though we're fatherless. God having the back of the defenseless. God is the one who's stepping in to fight the fight that a dad would fight. God is the one who's stepping in as our good, good father to defend us. So friends, where is God? God is with you. Where are you going where God cannot go? Nowhere. God is always with you here, there, and everywhere. And why is God with you? So that he can lead and guide you in every aspect of your life. Friends, when you know where God is, you know that you can get through every challenge you know that you can enjoy every good thing from God. You know that whether you're experiencing the highest of the highs or the lowest of lows, God is with me to lead me and to encourage me. You don't need a cloud in the sky because you've got a word from the Bible. He is with you. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for the chance to open your word. God, now as we enter into our time of commitment, help us to Submit ourselves to you. Church family, if you're here today and you're a believer and you say, you know what, I, I just need to submit to God right now and pray, God, do what you do. You do what only you can do. Maybe that's your prayer. If you're just gonna submit to God and his will and to his hand in your life. Maybe you need just the reminder to be encouraged that God's with you. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't left you. He still sees, he still hears, he still listens. He still acts. If you're here today and you've never believed in Jesus for eternal life, you need to know this. The Bible says that you're a sinner who needs a savior, but Jesus is the savior of the world. He came and gave his life on the cross and they buried him as a dead man. Three days later, he was raised again from the dead to prove that he's God, to offer us forgiveness and life. The death that you and I deserve because of our sin, Jesus died. And the life that only he can give, he offers to those who would believe. He is both Savior and Lord, and he invites you to believe in him today and to find life. If today's your day, let's mark it with a prayer you can pray. 
Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a savior and that you are the savior of the world. Thank you for coming for me, for dying in my place and being raised again from the dead. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life.